So I can remember uh, setting out from our Kansas farmhouse that sat on a small 20 acres of land for day-long adventures in the, be- in the back fields behind the house. Between the ages of, of five and eight, you know, these vivid times of life with a brother or a friend, we would set out into the wide open pastures ready to find snakes or fish um, or ponds or catfish or bullfrogs or creeks. Sometimes we stumble upon a dead horse and we thought that was actually really cool. Um, and we'd find these things that would suit our fancy. The world at that time in life seemed so big. It seemed so vast. It seemed so full of potential and life. There was a twinkle in our eyes as we set out on these journeys into a world of wonder, a world that was full of surprises. And it's that same kind of twinkle that I see in the lives of my own children um, that you've seen parading up here already today along with others as they take delight in the simplest of pleasures in this world. Baths. Easter egg hunts, like we did this morning at our house, pillow fights, homemade pizza, the list kind of goes on and on and on. But of course, all of that begins to change in due course for us as human beings. Um, As we grow up, we begin to brush up against the realities that are sometimes harsh in this world. We, We face things that we weren't really expecting when we were five, six, seven, and eight, And for some of us, that change happens rather abruptly. We we might lose a parent unexpectedly, prematurely to death or to divorce. Someone that we love might get sick and start to suffer, and we have to watch them go through that. Or we fall prey to abuse, or a lifelong dream of ours goes unrealized. We get cut from the basketball team our eighth grade year. Yes, that happened to me. Um, We don't get into the college that we always wanted to go to, and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, this world of wonder, this world that seems so full of life and potential, begins to take on some darker tones. It's different how this process works for each one of us. You know, some call it the losing of innocence, whatever we want to call it, but the net effect is ultimately the same for us. And that twinkle that was in our eye that we see in the eyes of our children begins to give way to a place of kind of gloominess or of tentativeness. I I think you know what I'm talking about in your life. The disappointments that we've had, and we've all had them, they're real. The hurts that we've experienced. And just for a moment, think about those things that are in your life right now. Those things begin to kind of settle into us. They start to take root, or they they settle over. It's kind of like a dark cloud. And instead of playing in the sunshine of the world of wonder, we, we actually start to sit back in fear, gazing at the foreboding skies that kind of seem to promise trouble that we've been through, that we've come out of, maybe that we're heading back into again. Uh, Ernst Becker, who was a cultural anthropologist, wrote this, in a sense about this same phenomenon. He says, man is reluctant to move out into the overwhelmingness of his world, the real dangers of it. He shrinks back from losing himself in the all-consuming appetites of others, from spinning out of control in the clutchings and the clawings of men, beasts, and machines. It's a, it's a tough picture, but I think one that resonates with us at some level. Perhaps maybe that's where you feel like you are tonight. You know, this is just the, the, the world that once was full of wonder is no longer that way. And you find yourself here in a place of reluctance, kind of uh, tentativeness, not really ready to step out and to actually live, but but maybe just to kind of clutch on to what little that you might have. Hardened, perhaps, by the world 
that is sometimes harsher than we'd like to think. Maybe by an unsuccessful marriage or by a rebellious child or by a recent failure in your life. Just kind of clutching in that place of, of tentativeness. You know, but even, and if that describes you, um, I, I, I trust that in some ways what we're doing here tonight is going to, to meet you in that place. Because, you know, even in those places when we're in the darkest uh, or the harshest or the, the numbest of our lives, this kind of childhood wonder that I had as a boy setting out into the backfields in the Kansas farmlands, it doesn't ever really get extinguished in us. G.K. Chesterton calls this the ancient instinct of astonishment that we have as human beings. No matter how dark our days may become, this kind of sense of wonder at the world that we live in never really gets fully extinguished. It's roused when we encounter stories that inspire us to kind of soar our hearts and our minds to, to, new, to new heights or when we encounter pieces of art that move us or sunsets that quiet us. I saw a beautiful sunrise this morning um, or yesterday, I think it was. The sun, I don't think, was out this morning um, with, with, our, with uh, my daughter as we looked out the kitchen window. These kinds of things that we see in creation begin to expand us and open us up for a longing for a better world. A world like that we remember thinking about when we were children setting out on day-long explorations. A world of beauty, of delight, of love, of wonder. A world of peace. Now, some out there, some of the critics, would say that these longings that we have, this this sense of wonder that we have is actually quite baseless. It doesn't really have a root in any kind of reality. In fact, it's nonsense. That stuff's for children. It's time to grow up and behave like an adult. Get on with life as we know it to be. That's one way that we can respond to those kinds of things. Others, um, still denying any truth in these impulses that we have as human beings, would tell us that they are simply kind of the... the the, uh, the root out of which the human phenomena of religion actually grows. So sociology, sociology of religion would say these kinds of things. Historians and psychologists have long noted the human need for, for a beyond, for something to kind of give us a sense of out from, from this um, paradox of wonder and, and tragedy all wrapped up in the human heart. So human cultures create religion. Still others, and perhaps the more utilitarian among us, or maybe it's just self-serving politicians, hope you don't hear too much cynicism in that, um, would capitalize on this kind of tension in us for a better world by wanting to accomplish their own agenda. Just listen up to the, the campaign that will ramp up here over the course of the summer to rally the troops, to build the utopia that we've all been longing for, that we all desire ultimately. And so this kind of longing of, for wonder, for, for a new world is something that begins to be a utilitarian means to another end of my agenda. But if we look at history from the Roman Empire to the French Revolution to the Bolshevik Revolution to the bloody wars of the 20th century, none of that has actually seemed to work or to produce the things that we long for. Okay, Jesus is risen. There's another way of thinking about all of this for just a moment. And that's the way that I would love to proclaim to you this night, it's an Easter way of understanding these kinds of childhood wonders and deep-seated longings that each one of us have, though they've been covered over maybe by, by weight after weight after weight of this hard world and our experience in it. 
That's what we proclaim today. We proclaim actually that these childhood longings and one of a wonderful world are actually nothing like a fairy tale, but they're real. They're true. They point to something. They were implanted inside of you and inside of me by a God who made you and who made me. And they're not just wishful thinking. But they direct us to the world as it's going to be. We read these wonderful words. I'm going to read them again out of Revelation 21. We're kind of taking more of a cosmic view today at the resurrection. But this is the words in Revelation. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making, thank you, I am making all things new. Let's go back to that transition for just a second. From the childhood wonder to the kind of hardened um, cynicism of adult life and say, what is it that leads us from point A to point B? It's things like mourning and death and crying and pain. These things have a source. They have a root cause. The world that we long for, the world that we once dreamed about and longed for it to come about in our lives, that world is a world of of perfection. It's a world of beauty. It's a world of peace. It's a world of justice. It's a world of love. It's a world of life. And everything that that begins to kind of find its way into our psyche, our imagination, our soul, comes from another place, from evil, from sin, from the muck and the mire and the brokenness of the world that we know that we live in from day to day. And it's those things that this passage in Revelation says God is actually going to wipe away from the world entirely. So that this longing that you have and that I have instinctively, by design, is actually going to come to pass. Now these desires that have been that, that you feel in you deeply, that you know to be inside of you, these desires have not been placed there by some kind of just um, random act of DNA sort of fitting on things and after things and blah, blah, blah. But these things have been put in you by a God who has designed you and made you for a world that is far better than you could ever have imagined as a five-year-old setting out into the fields. He's made you for a world of life, a world of blessing, a world of hope. And what we celebrate today in the resurrection of Jesus, what we celebrate when we say Christ is risen, He is risen indeed, is that our God is strong enough. Our God is big enough. Our God is faithful enough. Our God is present enough to begin to make that world to come to pass that we've all been longing for and waiting for. 
That he has come in the person of his son to tackle those very things which create the cynicism, which create the brokenness and, and the pain and the crying and the mourning. And he's come to break the power of those things through his son Jesus by coming under their power in death itself. And passing through death into a new world of life. The declaration of Easter Day is a declaration fundamentally of resurrection. Resurrection is a declaration of new creation. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, Paul writes. That this world is going to be made new and come to pass to what we had always been longing for and hoping for as the people that God has made. But unless we, I want to say one thing that before we just say, oh great, this is wonderful, we have to recognize that the world that has made us cynical is a world that you and I take part in every day. It's a world that we're not, uh, we're not extricated from and just looking on it as objective observers, but we've actually been a part of that world. So instead of just being found, our, just finding ourselves to be in that place of, man, this is tough, this is hard, this happened to me, we're actually on this place of saying, wow, I did that. I was involved in that. I I participated in that. I was colluding in that power of evil that was bringing about the brokenness in the world around me. And so the great mystery of faith that we proclaim that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again is also true for us because we first must die and then be raised with Christ. We first have to, 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 to find ourselves out of the world that was causing the brokenness. We have to find our stains washed away in the cross of Christ so that then we can, by being united with Him, come to life again, raised in Him, into this world that we've always longed for and hoped for. God is a God of new creation. God is a God of resurrection. And God wants and will do that new creation throughout all of the world, all of the cosmos. And he's begun it in Jesus. And he's invited you and me into that world of new creation today. By uniting with Christ in faith. By not just saying he is risen, but by saying he is Lord. And I come to him and I bow before him. And I surrender to him. And as I do that, then those things which I was involved in have been forgiven. That death which belonged to me has been taken. And I've now been raised so that this new world that we read about in Revelation 21 is now beginning to come about in people like you and people like me by the God of resurrection power working His life and power in us for all of our days. This is the resurrection hope. It's not a small hope. It's not a small hope. It's not a diminished hope. And it's not an insecure hope. It's a certain and sure hope because the tomb was empty. That produces in us great marvel and ultimately great joy. Every deepest longing that you have is found, finds its fulfillment in what we declare this day in the church. That Christ is risen from the dead. Every longing that you have for life 
for joy, for happiness, for peace, for those things. All of those things find their fulfillment in this day, in Christ being raised from the dead. And all that that signifies about new creation beginning to make its march in the world, now in Jesus' body, the church, through you and through me. For a world that is to come, a world that is certain and sure and secure. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is risen. New creation has begun. Your childhood wonder is to be restored And you, church of God, body of Christ, and me are to be people alive in the joy and the wonder of a glorious world that God has made and of a glorious new world that He is making. I pray that this Easter tide, these 50 days, would be days of tremendous joy for us as a community of God's people. That because of what He's done in Jesus, we now find fullness of life and joy in Him. It's not up to question. It doesn't matter if you fail next week. It doesn't matter how far you stumble in two months. This new creation has begun and God is making all things new. And that is what we celebrate as the people of God. Praise be to God. Jesus is risen. He's making all things new. Be a people of joy. Amen.